Thick and Fabulous with Chantella Whitfield is all about women, especially women of color in our 40s and older. I sit down and have open and honest conversations about love, sex, relationships, our children, and the world around us in a safe and judgment-free space. Sit back, relax, and embrace being Thick and Fabulous. And welcome to Thick and Fabulous with Chantella Whitley. Um, today we are talking about um, supporting our children. And we have uh, from Casa of Lexington, Mr. Ben and Miss Rada. How y'all doing? Hi, we're doing hey, great. how you doing? I'm good. I'm glad to have y'all here. Um, so um, I'd like to start the show and allow you to tell us little or a lot about yourselves, because nobody knows you better than you. So I'm going to start with you, Miss Rada. Oh, wow. Ladies first. Ladies oh, first. Oh, wow. Not <laughs> me. Tell us about Miss Rada. Well, Miss um, Rada uh, is a CASA volunteer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually joined the program in June of this year. Oh. 2022. Okay. Um, I'm excited. I'm excited about being able to be a part of something so wonderful and something that is much needed. Mm -hmm. And I am working out of Scott County. Um, I am Uh African-American. And and that is something that, you know, we're lacking in the court system. So I want it to be that mirror Mm -hmm. for those black and brown. And just all children, not just, you know, the minorities. But I'm here to stay. I'm here to make a difference. So, And we appreciate you. Um, Mr. Ben? Yeah, I'm Ben Kleppinger. I'm the Community Engagement Coordinator at Casa of Lexington. I've been here about two and a half years. Okay. Uh, Before that, I was uh, writing for newspapers for about 11 years. Oh, wow. Um, That's a different change. So I'm a lifelong resident of Central Kentucky, and uh, I also served as a CASA volunteer myself before I worked for CASA. I served for four years um, and advocated for four kids over that time. Oh, okay. All right. So um, we keep talking about CASA of Lexington. So can y'all um, talk about what is CASA of Lexington and what services do you provide? Absolutely. CASA of Lexington, CASA stands for Court Appointed Special Advocates. We're a nonprofit organization that recruits, trains, and supports uh, community volunteers like RADA, Mm-hmm. who get matched with children in our local family court systems who've been abused or neglected. And every CASA volunteer visits with a child they've been matched with every mm-hmm. month. They also talk to adults involved in that child's life, like their parents, mm-hmm. uh, foster parents, social workers, doctors, teachers, all of the above. And they get to review educational and medical records of, of the child. Okay. And they compile all this information they're gathering into a report that comes back to the court. Mm-hmm. That includes recommendations on what would be in the child's best interest. And oftentimes the CASA volunteers' recommendations seem simple, but uh, were completely overlooked, and this kid wasn't getting what they needed until the CASA volunteers showed up. Yeah. So it might be something as simple as this kid needs to get an eye exam and get some new glasses because they're struggling to read in school. Wow. Um, it could be something um, like... This child is not thriving in their current placement, and they need to be moved to live with a relative that we've found, Mm -hmm. something like that. Uh, So CASA volunteers work to get the children the services they need while they're in care Mm -hmm. and then back into a safe, permanent home as quickly as possible. So that they're your your child's advocate, your child advocate while in this. You are. You're the voice for the child in court. You're, You're speaking up for what they need, which unfortunately isn't there when the CASA volunteer isn't there. And I'd like to throw out some numbers because um, I was doing my research doing this and I was surprised that as of April 2021, um, 9,526 youth are in the foster care system, um, according to the um, the um, Kentucky, the Consensus Bureau. And um, that's a, that's a lot. That's a lot of kids. And, and I, I don't understand it. Um but that's neither here nor there right now. But um, is in your it is opinion, a lot of kids. You're it, is, right. it, it really, really is. It's, it's, it's like, not really acceptable. No, because uh, you know everybody should have a home or absolutely and be with p- 
parents that are people that love them. Yeah. Um, um, so what in, is, in your opinion, why do why are black children more likely to be placed in institutions like group homes and residential treatment facilities? Um, I, I think it's pretty obvious that it's due to uh, inherent systemic racism in mm-hmm. our system, the roots of which go back beyond the yes. founding of this country. Yes. Um, there's there's no really arguing that point. Um, and it, it persists to today, and it's going to keep going tomorrow. And it's this big, huge problem mm-hmm. that seems unsolvable sometimes. Right. Um, but what I like about CASA is... Uh, CASA volunteers like Rada can come in and make a difference for a child by being a voice for them, by advocating for them to get the services that they're not getting, mm-hmm. to to get the resources that they need to thrive and to to have the childhoods that they should have. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're you're kind of on a one one person at a time basis, mm-hmm. trying to make a difference. And CASA yes. volunteers often do make that difference for the children they serve. Uh, Miss Ryder, I want to ask you what have since you've been doing this since June, June what, what's that? Five months. Five what, months. What do you think about this? It's sad. Mm-hmm. It truly is sad. I mean, you can say that we've come so far, mm-hmm. but we're so far behind. Yeah. Um, children are not asked to be placed here, mm-hmm. so it makes it very hard when you see a child that is being neglected, being abused, and then they're in front of the court systems and they fall through the cracks. Mm-hmm. You know, um, a lot of times as as black children and as someone who is of color, you see you see yourself being looked at differently, mm-hmm. not even getting an opportunity for you to just step in and say, I'm human. Mm-hmm. I'm human. I just want to be loved just like right, the next right. child. So um, as Ben was saying, the racism doesn't stop as a child. Right. You know, and, and that's the sad part, because if we're not going to be the voices for them, then they will continue to be left behind. Exactly. So my position as a CASA is to let them see someone that mirrors them, mm-hmm. someone who understands, and someone who is going to do anything and everything in their power or in my power to have the courts put them in homes that they're loved. Right. They're not left behind. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're not prejudged just by the color of their skin. Um it's something that has to be changed, but we need more families of color yeah. uh, to step in, to be able to advocate and say, hey, I'm here. Mm-hmm. I'm willing to take this child in. I'm here to raise them and do the things that any child would want, and that's to have a loving family and a safe home. So for this time, I, I'm, I'm, I'm pulling up a bootstraps. <laughs> I'm pulling up a bootstraps and uh I'm going in there full force to let them know that, you know, CASA is here to stay and Good. we're here to make a difference in every child's one life. Child at a time. Yes, one, one child, child at a time. time. Yes. And, and with that being said, black children are like more like or less likely, excuse me, than Caucasian children to be placed with relatives in foster care, even though study shows it helps with the coping of trauma and being removed and, and being kept with, with children. So it's, it's, it's mind blowing how you can know this or the studies show this, but yet and still you put them somewhere else where sometimes to be honest, you know, foster care isn't the best or the parent, the foster parents aren't in it for the right reasons. Um, but what type of training do the, will the volunteers get, um, and do reach, do volunteers, um, have to get those CEC continue education mm-hmm. credits for so, being a volunteer? So before anyone becomes a CASA volunteer, mm-hmm. they go through a 30 hour training. Uh-huh. Um, that's usually held at our office here in CASA of Lexington, okay. uh, uh, in Lexington. Um, it's held on nights and weekends usually, and like I said, that's a 30-hour training. It's it's pretty comprehensive. Ray can talk about her experience mm-hmm. going through it, but <laughs> oh, it yes. covers a lot of things like the effects of trauma on children, mm-hmm. uh, resiliency mm-hmm. in children, the importance of keeping children with their families whenever possible, mm-hmm. or with a relative when that's not possible, and especially the importance of, of preserving uh, a child's cultural background and helping them uh, kind of have that because that's too often lost when kids get lost in the system. 
Um, it also touches on the effects of uh, drug misuse in the community and um, how that can affect families, uh, disproportionality in the system, and um, resources that are available in the community to people who need them, um, oh, wow. as well as the just the ins and outs of the local court system and how mm-hmm. a case progresses through from beginning to end um, or from beginning toward an end and then back and then toward a different <laughs> end right. um, and all of that so that uh, by the time you finish the training, uh, you've got a pretty good understanding of how the system works and many of the ways that it's actually broken. So you, you get the firsthand experience instead of... You know what somebody tells you. Oh, this is how it's supposed to work. <laughs> you, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> you know, there are, in there theory, are this is how, but no, exactly. this is how it really works. Yeah. And let me give you the tools to help you further make it better for the child. Absolutely. I love that. Yep. So it's, yeah. it seems pretty intense. It's Am very, I right? It's very intense, and uh, we do a lot of role playing. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. So we get actual cases. Uh-huh. And we group up, we break away into groups, and it's the best way to see how everybody thinks. Mm-hmm. So then you're getting different ideas from different people, and or it may be something that you didn't think of. So it, it's like bouncing stuff off the walls. Okay, what do you think about this? What should we do? What is the resources? And everything's laid out in your cases. So it's real exciting mm-hmm. because you're able to see exactly how the court system works, the resources and what's available to you are what's available for your child. Mm-hmm. And you're there to write it down and everybody kind of plays a part of what's best for the child. Mm-hmm. So when you get all those different ideas, then a lot of times it's something that you didn't think of. Mm-hmm. So they gave us the tools to sit and kind of look at it differently from different angles. They also tell you what to expect or what may happen. Mm -hmm. So when you kind of get heads up, then you go in not kind of bias. You you, you have that information and you want to keep your biases to to yourself. I learned to work through them Mm because a lot of times you get these preconceived thoughts on what you think Mm -hmm. What's norm for you is not, not norm, norm for, for another life. culture yeah. or another Absolutely. race. So, so doing the training, that's something that you just don't think about. Right. Because it's like, I was brought up this way, so if they're not doing it, then that's, that's not that's <laughs> yeah. not right. Right. But, but that's not true. Mm-hmm. So we got an opportunity to learn about different cultures and Ooh. what may be norm for us is not norm for them, but it's norm for their culture and for from where they come from. Uh So that to me was the biggest, biggest gain out of it Uh because you have to open your mind, open your heart and be like, okay, is it something that is going to be harmful or is it something that, you know, that's going to make the child uh, be removed or not? No, no, not necessarily. It's just that we look at things and the way that we do things in such a, I don't know what the word is I'm looking for, <laughs> but preconceived. Uh-huh. We already have it written out and what we think. And then once we got into it, it was like, man, you're right. That's that's something totally different. That's something I didn't think of. Gotcha. So gotcha. we have to keep our our minds open because everything we think is bad or not right is not necessarily correct. Right. So that was a big eye opener with becoming a CASA because you're going to reach so many different types of right, children's right. and families. So, situations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Mr. Ben, um, for those they could, that may not understand or still, you know, still, um, is, is CASA like a big brother's, big sister's program? Could it be equated to that? So it often is equated to that. And there are elements that look similar because uh-huh. you are going and visiting with the child regularly. Mm-hmm. But when a CASA volunteer goes to visit with a child, they're going there specifically to gather information. Mm-hmm. So they develop, there's no denying they develop a close relationship with the child that they're serving. Um, the, the goal of that is to understand the child's situation and to assess what the child needs and what the child wants mm-hmm. and bring that information back to the judge. Um, so there, there is that component of you're helping this child by being a positive role model in their life. Mm-hmm. But the, the much bigger goal is that advocacy in court and that getting that child um, through the system back to a good place for them. 
um, that I think goes far above and beyond just being a mentor to them. Is is it kind of kind of sounds like you're, if you will, I'm just throwing this out here. It's kind of like you're a, a social worker's assistant. You're going in and doing the work, you know, the 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 real work. <laughs> that's an interesting yeah. way of putting it. Yeah, that's funny. You're a long that's, that's a funny way to put it. Because it sounds like yeah. you're a social worker, but you're the one actually. You know, like so, a paralegal does all the background work, but the lawyer goes in and, and yeah. yeah. Social workers are supposed to have, I think, something like 20 cases mm-hmm. on caseload. Or maybe it's even less than That's that. That's a lot. So it means stuff they don't falls have through that. the They cr- have like twice or three times mm-hmm. the amount of cases yeah. they're supposed mm-hmm. to have. They do not have the time to contribute to these children the way they, they should because we don't have enough social workers. Right. Um, so, yes, the CASA volunteer is able to do a lot of that stuff that you think, oh, shouldn't the social worker do that? Yes. But they don't have the time to do it. Right. Uh, the same thing for the child's attorney called a guardian ad litem. Mm-hmm. Um, they're assigned to represent the child's legal best interests. But they're supposed to see the child one time throughout the entirety of the case. If that case lasts three years, they're supposed to have seen the child at least once. If a case lasts three years and a cost of volunteers on it, they've seen that kid 36 times, at least. We have some cost of volunteers who see their kid every week. So it's many more times than that. So we, we, we appreciate that. <laughs> but one time, how are you going to legally represent somebody that you don't even know? Well, uh, <laughs> and there are guardian items who see their children more often than that, but that's the legal so. minimum. <laughs> uh, but they, uh, guardian Jeez. items can also talk to... Um, others on the case. And so when a, when a CASA is on the case, uh-huh. a guardian ad litem is often getting their information from the CASA report. Ah, okay, mm-hmm. okay. That makes sense. That yeah. makes sense. If you are just joining us, we are talking to two of the members of CASA of Lexington, our volunteer, Ms. Rada and uh, Mr. Ben. <laughs> Community Engagement Coordinator. It's a mouthful. Say yes. I know it is. <laughs> That's why I let you see it. I've had the longest title there for a long time. That's a good title to have. A good title to have. Yes, it is. Um, if you um just tuning in, we have been talking about what CASA is um, and how it are, how they are advocates for, your ch- uh, for children in um, the system, the family court system. Um, I want to go on and continue to talk about the volunteers. Um, first of all, how do you choose your volunteer? And um, and how do you choose what what volunteer goes with what child? Mm-hmm. Um, how do you match those up? Because I know you said in the beginning that they're mm-hmm. matched up. So what? how do you match those up? So uh, it kind of begins at the very beginning of training because mm-hmm. the, the volunteers themselves kind of get to know, I think, themselves a little better through the training, and they get to understand what kinds of cases they would be best suited to serve on. Um, And so by the end of the training, we're asking each volunteer what their case preferences are, where they want to serve, what kinds of children they think they would be the strongest advocates for. Wow. And we uh, take that information, and we watch for cases coming through the family court system with children that uh, match up with them at least in our opinion, uh-huh. we bring that case to the CASA volunteer when we think we have a match. The CASA mm-hmm. volunteer gets to review the details of the case and see what's going on in it, and they can say yes or no, and there's uh, you know, no obligation to do either way. You can say no, and we'll just wait for another case and look for a better match. Okay. Uh, once they say yes, we get a court order from the judge, and they start visiting with the child. Oh, wow. That's that's good. So did you, you, can, you can play to your strong points. Absolutely. You just not... Picking some. Yeah, so we have we have uh, CASA volunteers who are uh, retired teachers who often get put on cases where education is mm. a, a concern. We have CASA volunteers who are nurses who often get put on cases where there's medical issues and things like that. That's smart. Look at y'all got it all together. I like it. <laughs> so I want to. Well, you just talked. You just talked about it a little bit. That because my question was, what does the the typical cost of volunteer look like? The age limits. But you mm-hmm. said some are are teachers, some are nurses, mm-hmm. and and we also know that they need more people of color. Absolutely. Yes. So is is there like an age range that y'all try to stay in? So one legal requirement is you have to be at least 21 years old. Okay. There is no upper limit. I think the oldest cost of volunteer we've had is 88 years old. Wow. 
And um, uh, it, it does skew older. A lot of people who are retired, find mm-hmm. it's easier to find the time. But actually, a majority of our volunteers still work full time Wow! Um, while they do this. It takes about 10 to 15 hours a month, uh, or sorry, 5 to 10 hours a month uh, to do this after you get through that 30 hours of training. Um, and so quite a few of our volunteers um, still work full time. And actually, I was looking at uh, kind of the breakdown by age of our volunteer base the other day. And um, I think it was like 21 to 31 mm-hmm. was almost as big as 65 and up. Wow. Um, we get quite a few college students mm-hmm. um, who who uh, are social work majors or something like that who sign up to be CASA volunteers because it gives them good experience in the court and because it's what they're passionate about doing. Wow. That's I miss, that's that's nice. That's a big age gap, too. And it's like, okay, <laughs> but it works. Um, I want to ask you this. How, when you see these cases and you're trying to remain open to, to the things that you see, how do you cope with that mentally? Because some of this stuff I'm sure that y'all see can be pretty traumatic on your end just to know that a child who can't fend for themselves has to go through all of this stuff. Absolutely. It's called secondary trauma. Mm -hmm. So how do you cope with that? Well, um, we're not able to discuss cases without, you know, without us talking to our supervisors. Mm -hmm. We are uh, limited to even your spouse or your Mm. loved ones. You can't discuss it. So it's not like you have them to go home and say, oh, my day was this, this, and that. You're unable to do that. So really our supervisors are really a soundboard. Uh So if things get too much or it's just something that you just need to vent, Mm -hmm. then they're there for that. So you're able to discuss that with them. Well, that's good. But as far as that secondary trauma, it's something that if you have a heart, have empathy, you're going to feel. You're going to feel. Mm -hmm. And if you need to go home and scream and holler, cry, whatever, you get through it. I mean, because you do have to feel for them in order to get through it. Mm -hmm. A lot of times I think that during the training, a lot of the other volunteers have been through traumas themselves. Yes. So if you've gone Makes through a sense. trauma, which I have mm-hmm. as well, it you know what to look for. Mm-hmm. You know how to cope. And, and you're kind of using your experiences in order to get through it with them. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those things that someone's saying, I know what you're going through and you really have it. Right. It works for you. Like he said, you have your nurses mm-hmm. that help the ones that have some form of medical. So... Those are the things that kind of get you through it. If you've been traumatized and somebody else, you kind of work through it together. It's mm-hmm. almost like uh, therapy for yourself yes. because now you know what to look for and how to comfort and get through mm-hmm. that trauma. But again, our supervisors are all. Awesome. <laughs> I know they probably like quit texting me. <laughs> Quit but calling me. That's good that you have yeah. a way, though, that somebody's there to support you because yeah. you're supporting somebody else. So it's like everybody needs support. You do. It's and like at a some big point, system. yeah, at some point you have to vent. Yeah, because there's no because way. Because there's no that. way you can go through it and read some of the cases. Yes. And, and just deal with it on your own. Right. So they're awesome. I mean, they're, they're, uh, they're a group that. Like no other. Well, good. I can tell you that. We so yes, them. yes we do. <laughs> yeah, we yes, absolutely. Yes. So I know you said this um, earlier that you know they can choose what what cases they can they can they feel like they're better suited mm-hmm. for. Yeah. Are CASA volunteers under a contract to like serve for two years or something? You know, I'm making that up. But are they under <laughs> well, contract? It's, it's funny or something? that you say two years. They're not under contract. <laughs> oh, okay. We do ask everyone to commit to serving for two years. Now sometimes people can't do that and that's fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, but going into it we ask everyone who wants to become a CASA volunteer to think about doing it for at least two years. Okay. That's because we want a CASA volunteer, to, when they're appointed to a case, to stay with that child, mm-hmm. no matter what happens in that child's case, until that child's case closes. Because everything else during the course of that case is going to change for that kid. They're going to move from home to home. They're going to get different schools, different doctors. Um, 
they're they're going to have different families that they're living with potentially. Uh, but we want the Casa Volunteer to be a consistent that's always there, and the kid knows who it is, and and helps them along the way. Mm, that's that's a good that's a good thing. I think uh, two years. I could. Well, I couldn't. <laughs> I, I I have to be honest. I couldn't because little kids. So to see somebody, I, I when I was younger, um, I was probably about twenty one. I worked in a group home for little kids. Mm. It was over on Jefferson Street. And the first time I saw a baby come through with cigarette burns, and I'm talking six months old, I was doing, yeah, I can't do this every day. There's nothing in me. I hurt so much every day coming in there that I wanted to cry. It was just like, yeah, this isn't good for me. I got to go. I I just, I couldn't do it. It was too much as to see, like, how could you be, do stuff like that to a kid. Yeah. It's like you have to be a certain certain type of person, person. <laughs> and I think it has to be a calling. It yeah. has to be something that yeah. you're truly passionate for yeah. because as Ben was saying, you don't want to come in it and then all of a sudden you're gone because yes. a lot right. of children end up having that in their life anyway where Somebody nothing's permanent. permanent. Are they in and out? So yeah. with the two years, I didn't even feel like that was long enough. Really? No, because I, you never know what's going to happen in the courts. Mm-hmm. And two... That period of time that you're getting to learn and, and learn about the child and them getting comfortable with you, mm-hmm. so much changes over the years or over the months that you want them to feel like they do have somebody in their life, regardless of what happens right. after the case. And that two-year to me... Yeah, you could do it, girl. <laughs> you could do it. You could do it, girl. I know. <laughs> you could do it. I know it. Once you got to know the kid on your case. Yeah, you could do it. I know it. You could do it. Exactly. Um, so I want since we're talking about cases, what type of cases will volunteers have to deal with? Um, abandonment, abuse, neglect, what and with that, are they protected by the HIPAA laws? I think you said that you can't, that you are. So CASA volunteers uh, are taking oath of confidentiality, mm-hmm. and they can't discuss the details of any case they're on with anyone except their volunteer manager or any of the other CASA staff who are also sworn. Um, and then in the courtroom, obviously, when mm-hmm. there's a when there's a hearing, they talk to the judge and everyone who's allowed in the courtroom. So, yes, I, I think that probably exceeds any kind of HIPAA yeah. Uh, stuff mm-hmm. that's out there. Okay. Um, and what was the first part of the question? Um, uh, the first part was what type of cases do they see? Oh, yeah. Is it limited to just yeah. a certain type? It is not really limited at all. It's up to the judge to appoint CASA to the cases that they want a CASA volunteer on. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, that winds up what that winds up meaning right now is CASA volunteers often get appointed to the worst cases mm. because we don't have nearly enough CASA volunteers for all the cases in the system. Oh, wow. So the judges will save their CASA volunteers for the more, more complicated, complicated. Uh, larger cases. Well, at least they at least they're using it in a good way. Like okay, yeah. Okay. Um, but the the range includes everything from educational neglect cases where uh, children haven't been going to school, mm-hmm. and sometimes we get a CASA appointed to that case, and we discover, well, this isn't just a matter of this child wasn't going to school. There's some drug use in the home that's putting this child at major risk, um, or um, there's some mental health issues that were being overlooked. Um, and, and so the case kind of moves away from that educational neglect into broader issues of helping support that family or helping that child find a safe home. Oh. Um, and then there's there's all kinds of different cases. We have CASA volunteers who get appointed to cases of severe physical or even sexual abuse. Um, and we have uh, CASA volunteers who get appointed to cases where children are living in uh, residential treatment mm-hmm. um, and have been for years and don't really have any family. Um, when I was a CASA volunteer, that was one of the cases I was appointed to was uh, a young man um, who was uh, lived in residential treatment facilities for more than half his life. Jesus. And had just been being moved from one to the next. 
And and just to clarify those that, that don't understand what a residential treatment facility is, it's a living facility that provides therapeutic and behavioral interventions and treatment when their needs exceed what is available to them where they live, what they say, by when, definition. When it's, when it's judged that way. <laughs> yes, when it's judged mm-hmm. that way, you know. And um and if you didn't know, family court deals with uh, child custody, support, vi- mm-hmm. and visitation, paternity, adoption, domestic violence, dependency, neglect, and abuse. That's a lot of, and I'm sure there's some sub things underneath there that too. <laughs> Cost operates in the dependency, neglect, and abuse portion of that spectrum. Okay. We're in the DNA court. Wow. And that's a lot. It is a lot. There's probably about 3,000 children in the family court systems that we serve in our seven counties um, on any given day. 3,000. 3,000, one too many. 3,000, one too many. One, one too is many. one too many. Yeah. Yep. You know? One too many. Mm-hmm. Mm. So how many, so we know social workers are way out of their span, uh, spectrum of, of work. Um, how many children does a CASA volunteer typically typically have at one time and how much time does a volunteer get to spend working on that one, on that particular case? Mm-hmm. Um, a typical cost volunteer will get assigned to one or two children. Um, if it's two children, it's going to be a sibling set. Uh-huh. Uh, they're only assigned to one case at a time. Oh, we have nice. some uh, CASA superstars who have <laughs> some extra time on their hands and sign up for extra uh, cases, but the standard CASA volunteer <laughs> issue is one case at a time. Well, that's good. Uh, which is one to two children. Now, if you get a sibling set of like five, for example, mm-hmm. you might put two CASA volunteers on that case. Ah. Um, put one CASA volunteer for two of the kids and another CASA volunteer for the other three, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I think you were asking about the amount of time. Yeah, how much time did they spend working on that case? Okay. About five to ten hours a month. So it's going to be more at the 10-hour end um, when you're initially getting the case because you're getting up to speed, you're reading through all the records, you're talking to everybody for the first time, and then it's going to uh, vary between 5 to 10 just depending on what's going on in the case, and maybe there's even a month sometime when all you need to do that month is visit your kid, and it's less than 5. Okay. Well, now they have to go to – do they have to go to court when there's a court date? The cost volunteers are supposed to go to court every time there's a court date because they give their report to the judge a week in advance, mm-hmm. and then they're in court to um, advocate for the recommendations that are in the report and address any questions the judge might have for them. Now, um, sometimes a cost volunteer can't make it to a court hearing yeah, that's for one reason. Be my another. next question. That's where that volunteer manager, that supervisor, comes in. Um, uh-huh. They are always in court, uh-huh. and if a cost volunteer can't make it, they step in for them. Uh, during that court hearing. Ah, good, good. Because that, that was going to be my question. Like, if you're working full-time, can you be yeah. taken off <laughs> to go yeah. to court all the, the time? The uh, court hearing is the only thing that's really set in stone, mm-hmm. and you know that date usually three months in advance. Oh, okay. Um, the rest of it is you're figuring out when it works with your schedule to visit your child. You're we're figuring out what works with your schedule to make the phone calls to adults involved in that child's life and when you want to go and review records. Oh, okay, okay. So, um, Ms. Ryder, this question is for you. Yes, ma'am. How do you balance your own personal beliefs with what's best in the best interest? Because like you said in the beginning, you have to be yes. open-minded. Yes. But it, I know sometimes that can be... You saved the tough question for Rada. I know, right? <laughs> How do you Look. do that? How do you do that? A lot of praying. <laughs> A lot of praying. But you, you actually... Keep it in perspective, mm-hmm. you know, because my beliefs is not always going to be any somebody else's beliefs. Right, right. And as a CASA, I think that we need to be open enough to where we're able to kind of listen to what what they're saying and work it to where it doesn't go against your beliefs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And if it gets to the point to where it's totally against something that you just can't deal with. Then I think that's where it comes in to where you would speak to your supervisor or say, I can't do this because my beliefs mm-hmm. are like this and I can't get past it. Uh-huh. But I think you need to open, be open-minded mm-hmm. about 
everything because everything ain't what it is. Right, right. And look at being an outsider looking in, a lot of times you don't understand the whole situation until you sit there, you read through it, you do your visits and you and you actually see what's going on hands on. So I think that that kind of, that kind of gives you a better understanding when you're in it. Mhm directly <laughs> when you're directly in it not just reading about right. it and not, and not trying to you Practice know come up with you your own when you in it you're in it so it's like okay you kind of take a breath you step back and you're like okay yes I can deal with this and I can do this and it's still not going to go against my beliefs but mm-hmm. it's also going to work with what's in front of me okay. and what I'm dealing with but it is a process I'm sure it is a process but again for those beliefs that are you just stand real strong in them and it, it's totally against it that's where you have to step back and speak to your supervisor your manager and and let them know that Mm -hmm. because it may be another casa that may be better equipped for that and their beliefs may be the same you Mm -hmm. know but yeah can you team up then if 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 they if they say that like can she then say okay well i I get that you can't do that part of it let chantilla take this part and but you still but but ready to stay on the case do you see what I'm saying? I do. I'm I'm not familiar look. with that ever having happened. We do have Casa teams though. Oh yeah. Um, we have okay. several of them. Um, you know, spouses working a case together uh-huh. or I think we have a mother daughter duo that oh, work okay. cases together. Mm-hmm. Um they often get assigned to those larger cases. Mm-hmm. Um but um they get to talk about the case with each other because they're both sworn on the same case. Right, right. Um which helps them brainstorm and and come up with ideas as they're working the case and gives them someone to vent to in addition to their volunteer manager. Ah, good, good. I like this. I like this. Um, We are coming in on our last half of talking with uh, Casa of Lexington. We have Ben and Rada here. Um, Y'all doing good still? We still doing great. (laughs) Doing wonderful. Thank you. I am enjoying learning about CASA. Um, In case you didn't know, they are the court appointed special special advocates (laughs) for your children. Well, well, yeah, I'm going to say for your children because our children, it's a community thing. Everybody's everybody's children um, that are going through family court so and and you might be interested in being a volunteer because they need some. Um but I want to talk still about the our volunteers. Does a parent or child have the right to deny a cost of volunteer or say come to you and say, "You know what? I don't like her. Can we get somebody else?" So they can tell the judge that. Okay. Okay. Um, the the judge is the one who appoints the casa. The judge has the authority to have a casa on the case or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and if the judge decides that the casa, for whatever reason, is not serving their duty appropriately, um, they can remove the the casa from the case. Um, otherwise, if the judge says the casa is on the case, the casa is on the case. Okay. Okay. And, and there's nothing else. They just have to comply they, with what needs to happen. Can they? Can parents make parents it difficult? Parents can decline to talk. Really? I mean, they could just not say anything, sure. The the casa the casa's there hmm. to gather information. Uh huh. Um, they have the court order that says they have the right to gather information, um, but they're not coming in as an investigator. They're not coming in with any kind of legal authority. Really. Okay. They're okay. just there um, as a friend of that child. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's up to the parent whether they want to take advantage of that or not. So when the when the casa gets there, can can the casa see the child without the parent, or is does the parent have to be there? Because so, you know some kids mm-hmm. don't want to talk in, in front of, of their parent, right. and you know they've trained. Mm-hmm. Yes. I'm just gonna be honest and put it out. They've coached them what to say and what not to mm-hmm. say. Correct. So. So the first thing I'll note is that CASA children are placed in all kinds of different places. So some mm-hmm. of them are still with their biological parents. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully that's that's a great situation yes. if we've been able to keep them with their biological parents and we're just working through a case trying to get those parents more resources. Mm-hmm. There are also kids who've been placed with relatives, kids who have been placed in foster care, and kids who are in um, residential 
residential facilities. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, whenever a CASA volunteer comes to visit a child, they're supposed to visit the child where the child's living, mm-hmm. and they are supposed to be able to have some one-on-one time with uh, that child okay. to talk with the child, let that child disclose anything to them they want to. Mm-hmm. Um, often it takes many visits before a child is actually comfortable with a CASA volunteer right. and wants to open up with them. Makes sense, makes sense, because stranger danger, yeah, like you, yeah, you know. And when we do go in for the first visit, mm-hmm. It's normally with a supervisor, so mm-hmm. she's able to First walk us through. Always, it's yes. always with our supervisor, and we always uh, give the parent and the child, if they're of age, mm-hmm. uh, a copy of what what we do, what mm-hmm. we're here for, and for any reason, if you're not happy or something goes yeah, on yeah. that you're not willing to connect or you just don't want the CASA, like you said, right, right. they have a right. Mm-hmm. to say that. So they do know that for any reason, if they're not happy with the CASA or what's going on, they do have a right to say, to say, it. To say it, you know, so, yeah. You know, some people just want to be difficult. If sometimes. <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> sometimes. Sometimes. Yeah. Just, I just want to cover all our bases. <laughs> just cover all our bases. Um, how much time does the CASA get to spend with the child and the parental um, people in their life. That's going to vary by case. Mm-hmm. Um, I, like I said, I, we have a casa who, on one case, he was on. Um, I think visited the children every week because um, he had the time to do that, and they loved hanging out with him. Um, uh, there's others um, where, like when I was a casa volunteer uh, uh, with the with the young man who was in residential facilities. Um, most of those residential facilities usually were halfway across the state. Mm. So I would block out a whole day, and I would drive across the state, and I'd spend three or four hours with them Aww. and then come back. Um, so it, it varies in different ways. Um, mm. Can you keep, can you still, can the CASA still continue to have a relationship with the child after the case is closed and finished? Absolutely. I still have a relationship with, with that young man. Um, and oh, that's um, we have. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I'm like y'all just don't cut them off. You know, yeah. okay, the case is closed. Sorry, uh, bad. No, nope, not at all. I got no. to after after he um, after he aged out of the system, he was still able to graduate from high school, and I got to go to his high school graduation. Yeah. And um, I, I still maintain contact with them through social media today. See, so you you're actually building a solid relationship. Listen, that's what I'm talking about. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, uh, we we were talking about this earlier about how that you know you're you're bound by court to not discuss ta- um cases. Do you does does Casa of Lexington provide mental health um services for volunteers? I know you said you can talk to your mm-hmm. supervisor, but sometimes if it so gets too thing- deep for them. One thing we actually just instituted. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. Oh. One thing we actually just instituted mm-hmm. is um, grief counseling for CASA volunteers. Yes. So, <coughs> if any CASA volunteer has anyone die in their life at all, mm-hmm. whether it's a <coughs> CASA child or someone in their life, a friend, a family member, they can get up to five free grief counseling sessions through our um, partner partner agency. Uh, yeah, I do. Because <laughs> grief, because, listen, I'm, I, had, I just had to go through this this whole thing. But grief comes in so many different ways, not just right. the death of a loved one, but it's re- ending relationships or, mm-hmm. you know, traumatic stuff that's happened that you've never dealt with and it's coming out in a different way. So I applaud y'all for that. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, <laughs> wow, that one just threw me. Like, I wasn't ready for that. Thank you for that. Because mental health is very um, serious real. for me. Yeah, it's, it's, very, it's real. very real. We also yes. we do continuing educations, and usually at least once or twice a year, those continuing educations are focused on self-care. Listen, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Um, does, the, does the volunteer have the opportunity to adopt a child? No. 
Um, a cosplay. I'm gonna be that kid, but why? <laughs> oh man! So a cost volunteer, I suppose, could wind up adopting a child if they stopped being their cost volunteer. Um, but they they are not in a position to become an adoptive parent of a child that they're advocating for. Um. So you, but, but I don't think I've ever seen that happen. Really? Oh. Look, I'm gonna talk it up. <laughs> I'm gonna talk it up. I'm gonna talk it up. Um, I, I saw this when I was researching what about Casa. Can we talk about Matilda? Yes, absolutely. I'm talking about Matilda. Okay, can we talk about what is Matilda? Who is Matilda, and what Matilda does for Casa? Matilda is the furriest member of the Casa staff. Four legs. <laughs> Tell it all. I know. Four legs. Four legs and a snout and a tail that wags. Oh. Although it wags pretty slow. Yes, yes. She is, I believe, now six years old. Okay. Um, she is a uh, Labrador Golden mix. Mm-hmm. Um, she went through two years of training from when she was a puppy till she was two to become a certified courthouse facility dog. Oh. She's actually the only court- certified courthouse facility dog in the state of Kentucky. And her superpower is she goes into the courtroom mm-hmm. with a child when a child has to testify in court. Because in Kentucky, um, if you want a perpetrator to be convicted for the crimes against a child that they perpetrated, the child has to testify against their perpetrator. Are you serious? I'm serious. In and, front of the person? Um, with the person in court. Now, often the child's in another room. Oh, okay. Or okay. That's, but I can But it's still, this child's having to talk about the things right. that happened to them. Uh, Matilda goes in with them, and she can take a single command, and she will sit with them for up to four hours without taking another single command. And they just get to bury her face in her fur and pet mm-hmm. her, and she's just there with them as emotional support while they go through that. Um, she also goes on home visits with CASA volunteers, especially when uh, there's a child who connects really well with a dog, mm-hmm. because as soon as Matilda shows up, the ch- child's eyes will just light up, and uh, the kid just connects with Matilda and then connects with the CASA volunteer. Awesome. Have you had the opportunity to, to work with Matilda? Matilda is just so awesome. <laughs> a lot of rubs and hugs, but as far as on a case, not yet, but yes, Matilda oh. is a, a special, special casa. Yes. We, we've had judges say they need, uh, they need to take a recess in their office with Matilda to help relax. We thank you. We thank yes. you. So how do you, well, so we know that they do. Does she just do those kind of cases, or does she just she, any kind of? So she is available through Cost of Lexington for any case where uh, she's requested. Basically, uh, her handler Liz Nofsinger is uh, one of our most veteran volunteer managers. She's amazing. She's a former family marriage therapist, and ah. she's just fantastic. She and Matilda together are an amazing duo. Awesome. Um, uh, and she doesn't just do CASA cases even because she's the only courthouse facility dog in the state. She often, we will send her off to other cases where the kid doesn't have a CASA but needs that needs that dog there with them. Wow. Uh, so I think Matilda's been to something like 40 or 50 counties in the state at this point. That's crazy. Are y'all thinking about getting another one? Uh, I think we to, would want to. To lighten her load? Because, <laughs> oh. Lord, <laughs> I'm feeling for her. Well, so she is. Uh, her training uh, requires um, that she stays on a specific diet so that she maintains her weight, but it also requires that she doesn't work more than 20 hours a week. <laughs> she is a part-time dog. Yes, <laughs> and but that's a lot to carry though, even for a dog, because dogs can sense your energy and when people are yeah. tense, and so that's a lot. Oh Lord, I love this. Y'all, y'all got all the bases covered. <laughs> She's got this, her work vest that she wears when she's on duty. Mm -hmm. She knows the difference between if she's wearing the work vest or not wearing the work vest. And uh, so usually if she's at work, she's wearing the work vest Mm -hmm. and she stays in her bed and she walks with Liz wherever Liz is going. Um, One day, Liz forgot to put her vest on. (laughs) She came to work. And so Matilda's just walking into everybody's offices and saying hello. It's, it's remarkable. She's you like, put the vest on, she knows she's on duty. Right. But you take it off, she's she's on break. Oh, 
wow. It's like a Superman. <laughs> Clark Kent. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, I have thoroughly enjoyed our conversation and what learning about what Casa of Lexington does for our community and our state. Um, can you tell everyone how they can find you? Absolutely. So we're online at casaoflexington.org. And uh, it's called Casa of Lexington, but we actually do serve seven counties. That's Fayette, Bourbon, Woodford, Scott, Garrett, Lincoln, and Jessamine counties. Um, and we're also on Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn, all at Casa of Lexington. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for being here and taking mm-hmm. the time out to um, talk thank to everyone. Thank you for having me. This is a lot of fun. Having me. I, this is great, girl. Good. I'm yeah. glad. I'm glad. And thank you for volunteering. Oh, you're welcome. Well, I mean, you know, it's a blessing. Before I end, before blessing. I end this, I want to ask you this: finding that balance for you, how how has it been? Like, are you working full time too and doing this? No, uh, when the pandemic hit, you know, I, I, my job was let go. So just went back to work. Mm-hmm. But I was going back full time until I became a CASA. CASA. So then I said after I completed my training, whatever job I decided to go to, uh-huh. I would let them know that CASA comes first. Yes. So I'm part time and they work around my schedule. So that's I how love that goes. Yes, yes. I didn't want to be limited and I didn't want to miss anything that I needed to be involved uh-huh. in. So yeah. See when I met you in the park that day, yeah. I was like, I would love to. I'm like, but how am I gonna get to court? Because I yeah. want to be in court. Right. I'm, I'm like, if I'm advocating for this kid. Exactly. I'm like, how much I'm gonna let me yeah. off? Yeah. <laughs> but now I know that my supervisor can <laughs> show up on me. So see? Yeah. It's all beautiful. It's all beautiful. Well, again, thank y'all so much for being here. I appreciate you and I honor you. Um, thank you, thank you, thank you for the amazing work that you're doing. Um, keep going, keep going. Um, and thank you all for listening um, to Thick and Fabulous with Chantella Whitfield. Give yourself some grace.